I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. This is a topic that arises with fairly regular frequency, so much so that I thought I would take a recent couple of queries and explore the topic here in a general way. That means I'm going to talk about it quite broadly and not specifically this piece or that piece. So this is going to cover the whole range of this, what's normal, when we should be concerned and everything in between. When a parent reaches out with a question on this topic, it's often with a sense of embarrassment or confusion and almost always with a desire that I tell them that this is okay, this is normal, this is even healthy. So let me start exactly there. Toddlers exploring their bodies, self-touch, masturbation, whatever word you apply to this is absolutely okay and developmentally normal and healthy. The word masturbation is one I just want to flag because of all of the sexual connotations it brings up with this. And because when we think of that word, and please be aware as to how it feels for you now, even listening to me talking about masturbation and childhood masturbation just be aware of what this elicits in you what it evokes in you we often associate that act with shame guilt secrecy and something to deny and certainly conceal this is not what it is when it comes to young children exploring their own bodies it is not sexual i really want to emphasize that it is not sexual That is not to say that it is not pleasurable for them to explore, touch and discover their own bodies, but the motivation to do so is not a sexual one for young children. They touch their bodies as part of normal young child curiosity and exploration. They discover in doing so that it can feel nice to do that and then they might repeat the act because it does feel nice. We see with young children that girls and boys do it just as much as each other, but girls can be a little later to do so given their genitalia is internal as opposed to boys whose genitalia is visible and easy to access from the earliest ages. Think about body exploration in its broadest sense, you know, beyond, you know, this kind of more sensual body touch. Babies are tugging ears and noses and hair pulling their own hair pulling other people's hair pulling your ears or nose by about six months old little boys will grab and tug at their own penis soon after and it's quite common that by 11 say 12 months old that little girls will also have discovered their vulva and explored it Toilet training can bring a whole new intensity of focus on genitalia and bodies again as well. So we often see because we're talking about body parts, we're talking about the toilet. There's lots of kind of lifting clothes up and down and sitting on the toilet that this is also bringing that high emotional charge. So around that age of, you know, whenever your child is doing that, typically kind of two, two and a half, three years old, we see a a rise in this type of body curiosity and exploration again. A study by the University of Michigan actually showed that by the age of five years old, most children regularly explore and touch their own bodies and specifically their genitalia. 
one of the questions and certainly a theme within questions that I received on this topic was from a parent who said that they observed their three-year-old daughter rocking herself on the arm of the sofa in a rhythmic and seemingly pleasure-seeking way. They hadn't known if they should stop her or what to say in the moment as they really didn't want to shame her, but reflected in contacting me that they felt shame themselves that she was doing it. It is so common for little girls to discover pleasure in their bodies by initially inadvertently and unconsciously rocking on the arm of a chair or a rocking horse or straddling a soft toy or something like that. They didn't set out to do it for pleasure, but they discovered that that motion or that sensation felt nice to do. And then what feels nice, of course, we are motivated then to repeat that behavior. But this parent's desire not to shame the child for this behavior was the absolute right instinct. We want to raise our children to feel comfortable and confident in their bodies and also within their evolving sexual development, which will evolve over the course of their childhood, adolescence, adulthood, over the course of our lives indeed. But what is getting activated in this moment the child is unaware that they are being watched or that anything might be you know, wrong, so to speak. It is the parent who is triggered. It can be helpful, perhaps not easy. So please do be kind to yourself on this one. But it can be helpful to reflect on how sex, masturbation, body exploration and curiosity was responded to in your own childhood. How did your parents talk with you about such things? How did that feel for you at the time? And how does it feel for you now to recall these kinds of conversations or maybe chastisement or behavioral correction or limits? How was all of that negotiated with and for you? How did it make you feel then? How does it make you feel to think about it now? How do you wish you had been responded to in terms of such topics or conversations. How do you wish that sex, bodies, pleasure had been discussed with you when you were a child? And what difference might that have made for your own development and understanding of such matters? How do you want your child growing up thinking and feeling about their bodies? How do you hope they understand sex, consent, body boundaries, emotional boundaries as they grow up? Let how you wish it had been for you and how you hope it will be for your child guide you forward on this one. Before we speak with our children about sex, about masturbation, about body exploration, or about body limits, consent, sexual development, reproduction, puberty, and everything in between. We must speak with ourselves about it. This is the time to start getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations because it is the first of many, many more to come. If this is something that might be especially difficult or triggering for you for many reasons, not least of which might be personal trauma history, please, please take care of yourself and reach out to a suitably qualified psychotherapist, psychologist who can support you in working this through. 
If you feel that it is simply a topic that renders you tongue-tied so you avoid it or end up way overcomplicating it with details your child didn't actually ask you for and cannot possibly at their age understand, maybe consider working with somebody like a sex-positive educator, somebody who specializes in this area, who can make what might be an uncomfortable or difficult conversation for you more comfortable by you know, raising your own confidence and competence with the language of the subject matter. I think Sarah Spruill produces really helpful content and guidance in this area. And you can look up her work on sarahspruill.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-S-P-R-O-U-L-E.com. And she's also on social media. She's the lady with the lovely, fun pink glasses in her in her photos. And there are other people who do this work as well. I just happened to have contact, had made contact with Sarah in the past and found her really helpful and supportive. You can also use books. You know, I've said this often. There are always books and there are books for every topic out there and they can provide a wonderful scaffolding to help keep us on track with conversations that can activate some resistance or discomfort within us. Books that I use myself as both a parent and a professional are The Everybody Book by Rachel Simon and Making a Baby by Rachel Greener and Claire Owen, both of which are LGBTQ plus inclusive books as well. And that means they are very inclusive and representative in both the language, the content, but also the imagery that's used. There are many books out there, so do some research and find one that aligns with your personal family belief system as well. When it comes to actually responding to your young child's body curiosity and exploration, be open and honest and developmentally appropriate. You might say something like, it's okay to touch your body, but you can only do so in your bedroom or whatever designated private space, and you have to wash your hands before and afterwards. That kind of a a statement, a boundary is appropriate by age five to six years and, you know, most certainly, but also for some four year olds as well. Teaching children about what behavior should be done in private and what is socially acceptable is a large part of parenting young children in general, and this topic fits comfortably in there, too. With very young children, toddler age, and this was some of the questions I was getting. These were really young little ones. The questions were coming in about ensure that the level of stimulation to burn off adequate energy is part of each day for them. Hold in mind that toddlers need up to three to four hours of active physical play each day. And I don't mean like three to four hours of very high level swinging out of the trees type of energy, but it can be waves of mild, moderate and higher levels of activity. They are active, exploring, curious little beings, and they need lots of healthy opportunity to release that energy. Distraction and redirection is your friend otherwise in these early years. Giving them a distraction item such as a teddy bear to hold, cuddle, squeeze, a blanket that is soft and sensory that they can again snuggle into or they can stroke against their face or something that, you know, like that, that they can hold that might help to distract them while also providing a sensory based comfort and soothing experience. 
You can also offer extra hugs, those kind of squeezy, tight, proprioceptive touch type of hugs, that deep pressure input, as these can distract and soothe, but also serve to reground and regulate your child. If you feel your child is touching themselves or scratching because they're itchy or sore or sensitive in their genital region, of course, you should consult with a health professional in the first instance to ensure that there's no infection or nothing else going on there, a little rash that they might need a cream for a treatment for. So while this is a very typical, healthy and normal thing for our children to engage in, another question I received directly asked me, when should I become worried about it? And I do want to address that as well, because I do appreciate that my saying, oh, it's normal, it's normal. There is a line with this when maybe there is cause for concern. So while generally I do want to reiterate and emphasize that generally there's no reason to worry, there might be some more rare instances when it could signal something else that could, could be concerning. Some flags in this type of behavior that I would note and respond to might be a very young child who's showing premature understanding of the reciprocity of sexual acts. I want to be curious about where that knowledge or awareness has come from. Another could be if they're not just body curious about themselves and other children, because again, it is very normal to be curious about other children and who has the same parts or different parts to you. But if this is about them seeking to simulate a sexual act with another child, that would raise a flag for me. If they cannot be distracted or redirected and self-touching is, you know, getting in the way of other play experiences or play activities and it's becoming more of a compulsion, that's something that I would respond to. If the behavior escalates and... Um, you know what I mean? It, it might if, if, if it's escalating and it's increasing in frequency and veracity, it might indicate some increased stress that the child is seeking to self-regulate with self-touch. I will want to know in that instance what is causing the stress that's underpinning the behavior. And that's what I would be exploring. If the behavior is within the context of a trauma or the level of self-touch is causing a body injury, that's also something that we wouldn't just normalize or minimize and say, oh, that's nothing to pay attention to. That would be something, of course, to pay attention to. If this is becoming a time-consuming activity for your child, always look for the possible underlying reasons. I'm emphasizing the word possible there because I don't want you to think of any one or a mix of these flags that I'm, and there are others, this isn't an exhaustive list. I don't want you to jump to conclusions. I don't want to infer that any one of these flags means abuse. I'm just flagging that what might be a normal behavior has become or is becoming problematic. That's what it's flagging for me. If and I do want to be clear about this as well. If you suspect any form of child abuse, be that physical, emotional neglect or indeed sexual abuse, you must report it in the first instance to Child Protective Services and either the guardee or the police service, depending on the jurisdiction you're in listening to this. You would report that in the first instance because safeguarding our children is of paramount importance. I did just want to mention those flags because it was a specific question that came in and people are always curious about when does a normal behavior become something that could be problematic. 
Think in general, maybe your child is over or understimulated. Maybe there is an underlying stress or anxiety. Maybe they are comfort seeking, or perhaps you are unintentionally reinforcing it by overreacting and scrutinizing or monitoring the behavior. Always wonder what the emotional and physical state that is underpinning overt behavior is in general and also in this area. But I don't want anybody listening to be panicking that if their child is curious about their bodies and of course our tactile touch based learning little kids are going to be curious about touching bodies and thinking about bodies and looking about bodies. That is something that is very normal, healthy and typical in these early childhood stages of development. I hope that this episode has been helpful. Please be aware of anything it brought up for you and always attend to yourself first before you seek to address anything with your child. Go where it's uncomfortable for you so that you can make it a more comfortable topic to address with your child. Mind yourself. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.